Lock and load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Good morning and welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. This lovely Saturday morning downtown Atlanta one more time. Uh, we're, uh, we're one week away from our annual convention uh, that we're having at the Waverly Hotel here on uh, in uh, the Galleria, August 4th and 5th, Friday night and Saturday, all day long. We're going to have several uh, speakers, several uh, uh, auctions items that we're going to auction off. We're going to have some really nice firearms that we're going to auction off. And today with me is one of the presenters that we're going to have next week in our show, or in our convention, and it's Brian Hill from the Complete Combatant. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Brian. Where's Brian from? Uh, I've always had a lifelong interest in uh, self-defense. Uh, I started training in the early 80s in different types of martial arts. Uh, I've always been a shooter also on top of that, and uh, I did a brief stint in law enforcement. Uh, and then I decided that at some point I wanted to combine shooting and knife work and self-defense and mindset courses together. So we started developing a course which is called the Complete Combatant. So really it's a lost childhood of traveling around, doing different things, trying different instructions, seeing what's going to work and how I can apply that to everyday life for the, the average carrier. Okay. Where are you originally from? Uh, I was born in Miami. And uh, I moved here in, uh, when I was 13, and I've lived in Georgia my whole life since then. Okay, no problem. I'm, I'm not from Georgia either. We're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't find a whole lot of native no. Georgians here. I think, uh, I think Marshall is, but yeah. uh, other than that, there's not a whole lot of them running around here. I'm originally from Texas, but, um, and I probably just messed up. My granddaddy always told me not, tell, not to ask anybody where they're from. If they're from Texas, they'll tell you. Otherwise, no need to embarrass them. <laughs> but, <laughs> so you... Uh, You've always been involved in that. You said you were, you were a policeman for a while or uh, yeah. enforcement for a while. Yeah, I just uh, I was a reserve deputy with Fulton County, okay. and uh, I thought that would be a great way to get into the training para, uh, community mm-hmm. um, and do some good law enforcement work. But, of course, uh, uh, I didn't realize that it was hard to get police officers to train. and <laughs> <laughs> They don't have to train. That's no, a, no, it wasn't necessary. So. You know, that, that, kind of, that kind of brings up a subject that I talk about every once in a while. Uh, people keep saying, that we need to be trained in order to carry, in order mm-hmm. to get a carry license. Yeah. Well, if we do, and I pointed this out, it turns out an awful lot like the policemen. They've been trained once. They don't need to be trained anymore. <laughs> that's it. And that's the way people who go to a state-mandated training school feel when they get mm-hmm. through. I know all I want to. The state has told me I'm good at it. Now, obviously, we don't believe that way. We don't believe in state-mandated training, but we believe that we need all types of training and different types of training. What I need is not what you're going to need. And nobody can tell us what that is other than ourselves. We're the only ones that can do that. And that's one of the reasons for having you here as well is to discuss some of the programs you have and how you can help people like me who uh, I'm getting a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Actually, I've gotten a whole lot older, (laughs) and I'm still getting older, luckily. And uh, everybody's challenge is a little bit different. Mm Mm-hmm. Physically, mentally, etc., and you try to work on the whole program. Is that not right? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, the difference between mandatory training and, and what we do is that the emphasis falls on the trainer to make it interesting, to meet the need of the average citizen. And uh, a lot of times when you have structured or forced training, it just meets some sort of uh, bureaucratic qualification. Right, right. And what we want to do is make a course that's interesting, it's stimulating, it creates adaptive thinking. Uh, it allows you to work at your level. So, um, you know, everybody's in different sorts of shape and everybody uh, carries their equipment differently and everybody thinks a little differently. So we've got to make a program that works for the majority of people and that, um, you know, if you if you have a physical disability, we've had people in class like that. If you're older, um, even if you're younger or you've never really even thought about how to apply force in a situation, this gives you a great chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And we scale it up to your 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 limitations, and then we work through them, and we find that people get a great deal of enthusiasm, and uh, as they they work on these challenges, they get a great deal of self-confidence and conviction to defend themselves. And that's uh, that's one of the best things you can have, mm-hmm. self-confidence. Not overconfidence, mm-hmm. but self-confidence, yep. because if you know what your limitations are, mm-hmm. you know exactly how far to push and, and, and perhaps uh, push a little bit further, but right. you don't want to go around thinking that you can can uh, kill king kong you know you you understand that you're you're still the prey if somebody's attacking you that's right uh so how did you come about these programs um i saw a real need i did a lot of different training uh i love to train Uh, my whole life i've been a student and uh there's nothing better for me than to spend a weekend training with different people and i was taking firearms classes and i was taking uh blade work classes and I was taking mindset classes and I was taking medical classes and I thought how come nobody does a class where all this goes together and uh, because it's important the first time that you defend yourself you're going to be responsible for the moment of recognizing the danger Mm -hmm. up to how to interact with the person and uh, use your verbal agility and then when to use force and what level to use force and then immediately afterwards you're going to have to make the most important call of your life which is 911 mm-hmm. and what you say will be admissible in court you're going to have to interact with police and we found that people uh as my friend <laughs> deputy chief lee weems likes to say stole from one what you may have the right to remain silent but you may not you have may the not. ability That's trick and uh and then afterwards medical care um and how to deal with the legal system so i want to give people a chance to practice all those things instead of in a self-defense situation in a safe environment with coaches that can help guide them through the process and you get to do it over and over again and uh, instead of being a specialist we became a generalist of all the things and then we can audit you on your skills and you can go back and take courses and fill in as you need to okay uh well tell us about any particular course in general you um where did, where did we start off? I come to you. Yeah. I'm I'm an old man. I, I need some help because I can't move like I used to. I've got a bad right. back. Right. Uh, I can't run. That's right. the last choice. <laughs> it, you know, that's just not going to happen. So where do you start with a guy like me? Uh, uh, one of our most important courses is the mindset course because it teaches you to recognize danger. It teaches you to pay attention to your, int- your intuition, how to avoid it. Um, and what to do, have a, 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 an action, a plan before you start. So um, Claude Warner is one of my mentors, and he always talks about pre-need decision-making mm-hmm. so that we develop plans and we stay out of this and we stay aware. Uh, in our society now, it's so hard to keep your mind in the game because we have so many distractions. 
And uh, when we're working through transitional spaces, coming in and out of buildings, moving through cars, uh, it's we're as citizens, we're in the greatest danger. And if I can teach people to be aware of these situations in a way that's meaningful, you know, Mm -hmm. we've all heard the color codes, but it doesn't mean that we necessarily can stay in condition yellow. So we teach people to recognize signs of danger, to have a plan. Like you said, I can't run away right now. But sometimes we can evade, we can avoid, or we can start escalating to verbal commands, setting boundaries, uh, getting ready to, for the fight as it happens. And that mindset course is a great place to start. Okay. Um, and how long does that normally take? Yeah, we do a three-hour course and uh, or a four-hour course, depending on, on the subject matter. We started with uh, just real estate agents doing that uh, because mm-hmm. they needed very specific skills, and then we opened it to the public. And it's just a, a easy course. We do it at my gym. Uh, I run Fusion Fitness and Mixed Martial Arts, and it's in, a place in Marietta. In Marietta, yes. yeah. So uh, it's an easy course, and it's an introductory course for people who maybe have never thought about defending themselves. And it's a great place for us to start talking about things that you could do, whether it's lethal or non-lethal force, or just actually being aware and setting yourself up for success and avoiding these situations. Right. Well, one of the things that I've said is is the time to plan is not when you're under attack. That's right. You should be. You should know exactly what mm-hmm. you're going to do when you get under attack. Mm-hmm. And I agree that you were talking about. We can't always walk around in condition yellow. You can't. You can't live life afraid. Mm-hmm. You can live it convicted, and you can live it uh, comfortably. But you you can't walk around being afraid. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to walk around being afraid. But we have to be aware that there is danger out there, and you never know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. You know, it can any second. It can happen, yeah. and it doesn't take long for something bad to happen or, or for something yeah. that wasn't so bad to go wrong, mm-hmm. especially for people who uh, who may be a little mouthy or something instead of uh, <laughs> instead of, of approaching mm-hmm. it in a, in a way that could de-escalate it. Right. You start mouthing off, and the next thing you know, you're, you're right at the top. You're ready to go. They're ready to go. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's... Uh, that's some good information. I, I know I probably, one of the things that I did when I started caring was I kind of changed my personality to a degree. I was always a hothead, mm-hmm. and I, I just didn't take anything. You said something to me, I was going to say something back. When I started caring, I, the confidence level just changed automatically because I, I realized that I didn't have to sit there and mouth off. I didn't have to, to do anything. I was armed, and I was prepared to do something, but I don't have to worry too much about me screaming at the guy or hollering and getting mad if the guy cuts me off in traffic or something like that. So for me, caring kind of calmed me down a little bit mm-hmm. and, and made me realize that, that I have to be in control of myself. I can't let somebody else, I can't let somebody send me off on a tangent when I'm, I'm carrying a, the responsibility I've got on my hip right now. So... Uh, we, uh, we're coming up to a break here. We've got to pay some bills. want to remind you, go to georgiacarry.org, our website. Uh, you can join there. You can renew. You can read everything that we've ever done. You can find our contact information. If you have any questions, you can give me a call. You can follow us at Georgia Carry on Twitter. I'm at GotYourBack64. And you can download the free podcast, commercial-free podcast, from Newstalk1160.com. And we'll be right back. And now, back 
to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Jerry Henry with Brian Hill from The Complete Combatant. I neglected when we opened the show to mention that The Complete Combatant is a gold sponsor of Georgia Carry, gold corporate sponsor of Georgia Carry. And uh, I understand that they give discounts to Georgia Carry members. That we do. We want to take care of you guys. It's a great organization, and it's a great chance for training. So we've got some different uh, discounts for you guys uh, on all our courses, So uh, especially the Complete Combatant. Okay. Uh, we need to make sure that everybody knows that next week when we're at the convention, as well as uh, we'll, we'll make sure we put that on our, our website for, the, mm-hmm. for your gold sponsor. Um, as we, as I said earlier, you, I don't think you can get enough training. You can, I don't know if you can get enough training. You can't get too much training. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, you always find. At least I always find. No matter what happens, there's a weakness somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's there's something that and maybe it's just because I didn't work on it. Maybe it's just because I hadn't worked on it. Maybe it's because I didn't even realize it until all of a sudden I needed to to do that. So. Uh, as I said earlier, we, we definitely always push training, but we push it through the member. Let them take their, their choice. So we talked a little bit about the complete combatant. Uh, what else do you offer for us? Well, we did, we did the mindset course, the actual complete combatant oh, itself. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, well, the complete combatant course itself is very interesting because uh, we actually you get to train um, with what you carry on a daily basis. So we pick it up right from the end of the mindset course, and it's the first signs of danger. Uh, you learn how to walk appropriately, mm-hmm. how to use your uh, your verbal interaction with somebody. Uh, we call it a verbal loop. So you learn how to talk to somebody, use some verbal agility, how to set boundaries, uh, what the tool or drill really means, how it's a legal defense for you to escalate force, how to recognize non-lethal and lethal threats. Um, what to do with each because we were talking about, uh, you know, the change in attitude. Um, you may be as a carrier engaged in something like a simple battery mm-hmm. where lethal force is not truly an option for you. Right. But you brought a gun to a fight. Right. You know, so understanding how that endangers you and how you can retain the weapon, uh, what, what force you can use at that time. Um, I find a lot of times when people carry a, a firearm that they want to escalate very quickly and, um, we give them a chance to figure out what's the appropriate means to do that. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great course with that. Um, we get to check your gear. So however you carry your magazines, uh, your firearm, if you carry a tourniquet, if you carry a knife, anything like that, it gives you a chance to practice with it on and actually mm-hmm. use it. Um, we use barrel disablers and tap rack trains in the magazine, so it makes it really safe for you. And it gives you a chance to feel out all these things. You'll do some basic combatives, but nothing too strenuous to start off with. And uh, you'll learn some basic retention moves and disarms. So it's an interesting course. Now you've been stressed a little bit, so then you have to make your 911 call. Right, right. You know? And now we find out whether you're a talker or you're not a talker. Right. You know? So It's whether you have the ability to, yep. to keep your mouth shut. You know, some people are high responders. Oh, yes. So they like to talk. Right. Uh, some people, we can't get a word out of them for anything. Right. You know, so the verbal part of it's really a difficult thing. And, and no matter how much you train, that's really the hard part is you put a, uh, a force on somebody and they have to talk at the same time. Right. Uh, it gives them a great chance. Right. Uh, one of the things you, you mentioned a while ago was uh, people who carry daily, mm-hmm. a lot of times, 
escalate the force more rapidly. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, I really haven't witnessed that, but I have noticed in a lot of phone calls I get, especially from younger guys, one of the mm-hmm. first questions out of their mouth is, "When can I shoot?" Mm-hmm. And I say, "Hopefully not." Hopefully yeah. never. Your yeah. your goal is not to be able to shoot anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's not really what they meant. What they really meant was if if I am when when can I protect myself with a farm yeah. if necessary? Mm-hmm. But that's not the way the question comes out. And and I have a feeling that a lot of people really feel like they should be able to if somebody bothers them they should be able to draw and, mm-hmm. and go on. And you, you, part of caring and caring responsibility again is self-control mm-hmm. you don't want to pull it out you don't do do not want to pull that firearm out unless you just have to and if you pull it out use it mm-hmm. you know in, in the state of georgia right now one of the things that we're going to be addressing hopefully next year is the fact that uh, if i pull out my gun to stop you and i point it at you mm-hmm. and you turn around and leave you go call the police i just committed a felony because yes, that's yeah. aggravated assault mm-hmm. even though i saved myself mm-hmm. and uh, it's a shame that you have a law that you would be better off for shooting somebody than you would just warning them and getting them out of there. But these are some of the things that people have to understand when they start drawing that firearm. You can get into a lot of trouble in a, in a heartbeat. Um, moving right along, tell me a little bit more about, uh, about... I know that there were several bullet points that I I put in the announcement. I can't remember them all because I copied them from your... Uh, literature, but we talked about uh, the mindset, mm-hmm. and then where did we go from there? Yeah. Well, you know, now we've uh, talked a little bit about the complete combatant and what it entails. The backside of what you just kind of mentioned is that uh, I'm an instructor graduate from Andrew Bronco's Legal uh, Law of Self-Defense program, mm-hmm. uh, so I actually get to quiz people on the law of self-defense so that they learn that, you know, when I point a pistol, I'm committing aggravated assault right. at that point. And that's always an eye-opener for everybody, that they've committed a felony right. and what the repercussions can be. We talk about what happens in actual court cases. You know, the, Even if you're not convicted of anything, the need to make bail, mm-hmm. to hire an attorney on retainer. Right. Um, and even if you win the case, the, the chance that maybe you've lost all the money you've ever worked for right. is a sobering effect for people. Yes, it is. Uh, and we work on the five pillars of self-defense so that people understand what true self-defense is. Uh, Most people don't realize that the claim of self-defense is entirely different than the criminal system of law that we usually encounter. Uh, You're actually saying, I did this, and I defended myself because of these reasons. And you need to be able to articulate those reasons. Uh, In class, we say CYA. Mm -hmm. And most people answer that incorrectly. It's, can you articulate? You need to be able to articulate, why did I do these things? Um, if you find yourself in a self-defense situation and if you have to draw your weapon to a low ready, um, even though you, you felt like it was the right thing to do, you need to be able to say more than I was in fear for my life. You have to say these actions led to this. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be more than just words for the self-defense side of it. So we let people run through their scenarios, and then they have to do a peer review where they address a group of their peers in class and they talk their way through this. So they get some practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great chance for everybody to really understand and what you were just speaking about, that self-restraint and self-control goes hand-in-hand hand with this great responsibility of carrying a firearm. And I find that people are loath to act sometimes because they get worried about the criminal side. 
So we have to make very clear boundaries of this is the right thing to do and this is the wrong right. thing to do. Right. Well, sometimes you're you're almost like uh, some of the police now. Uh, yeah. Some of the things that have happened that they yeah. you hesitate, you may lose your life. Mm-hmm. And if you don't hesitate, then you may be in trouble. So it, mm-hmm. it's really a fine line that we have to to be aware of. And mm-hmm. and I, I having not taken your course, to me the mindset course sounds extremely valuable to everybody yeah. I, I don't see how it could not be because mm-hmm. not only I, i'm assuming that you're having to teach people not only do you you have to be in the right mindset but you have to be able to remember what you, what happened i mean you just got through telling me that i got to walk <laughs> back through this thing right. and a lot of time when your adrenaline's flowing and you're not really in control of everything you you've got no idea there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that don't have ideas yeah uh, i know a guy that's sitting in jail right now because of a crime that that he has no idea exactly how it happened mm-hmm. because he was in shock when it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's guilty of it, but he's sitting in jail and will be there for a while. You know, our logical mind that we use every day says, I'll never do these things. Right. But when you get under stress, you move out of that. And it's very easy to make decisions that are um, based on adrenaline-based responses. So, uh, you know, I'm under tunnel vision. I've got um, auditory exclusion. Um, all police officers are given 72 hours before they have to make a statement after they use force. And unfortunately, you'll be on your own because you're own, your own first responder. So when that investigator comes out and starts talking to you, mm-hmm. it's probably the most important words that ever come out of your mouth. And we give people a chance to practice and say, hey, listen, this guy saw it. There's the evidence. And more importantly, I want to help, but I'm going to get some legal counsel right. before I say anything right. else. I, I need my attorney. Yeah. It's hard to do, though. People don't want to oh, do no, that. Oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. Well, because most people think that they can out-talk it, that they can mm-hmm. they can uh, go through the, the situation. They, it, it's very sharp in their mind. They know what happened. It's no problem. Right. But somebody else looking at a different angle, not going to necessarily feel that way. Right. And that that person that's not looking at it, they get, that person that's looking at it from a different angle, is the one that has the handcuffs in his back pocket that can take you with him. And you'll be in a in a world of hurt before everything gets over with. It's it's a uh, it's one of those things that you like I said you really have to be aware. And, and I'm glad to hear that that there are people that are teaching people that because, uh, like I said, that's that's one of the things. And it's very difficult, I'm sure, to teach because it would have to be very difficult to learn, especially for somebody that's my age has been doing my own thing for many years. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to listen to you. I'm I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You need to listen to me. I'm the old man in the group. <laughs> at any rate, we're, uh, this was a, a very quick segment here. We're coming up to another break. I uh, want to remind you one more time, go to georgiacarry.org. You can join. You can uh, uh, renew. You can find out everything that we've ever done. You, we need members. We always love to have new members. You can follow us at georgiacarry on Twitter. I'm at gotyourback 64 You can download the commercial-free podcast at Newstalk1160.com, and we'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Jerry Henry with Brian Hill from The Complete Combatant. Uh, we've talked about several things today, and there's one other thing, well, there's several other things we want to talk about. Hopefully we'll have time to get through all of them. 
One of them uh, that we put on the website is bridging the gap between unarmed edge weapons and firearms training. There's a lot of times when I go somewhere where I'm not allowed to carry firearms, such as the Capitol. And in order to get to the Capitol, I have to walk two or three blocks unarmed, which I don't really like, but I don't have a choice. I do carry a cane just in case because I keep them off of there for a while and it's got a big top on it and hit him in the right place and won't ever bother anybody else. <laughs> but uh, talk about what you do in a situation where you find yourself with only a knife or with only your hands or whatever. You know, you don't have to study your whole life like I have to have some basic skills to help you defend yourself. Um, we teach some very basic interdiction skills of how to tie somebody up or how to hold them or how to move with them. And that gives you some basic combatives. We teach some basic striking. Uh, I'm a big fan of flashlights, not only for being able to see in the dark and identifying our target, but they're a basic impact weapon that we can carry on planes and that we can carry Mm -hmm. into courthouses. And they're a nice little addition to our uh, everyday carry. Um, If you carry a knife also, um, there's some places where you can carry a knife and you can't carry a firearm. And um, if you're aware of that, it gives you another alternative. Now, knives are still lethal force. Uh, they have to be used in such a manner, and I try to teach people to use the knife not only with their right hand but with their left hand because the majority of people are firearms uh, or shooters. Um, their hand may be full or damaged, so if they need the knife, sometimes they'll need it on the left side. So we teach how that works. I teach basic targeting with it, um, basic areas to strike with either your hand or the knife, and how they can complement each other. Uh, one of the problems I found in my training is everybody's so specialized that they don't take into account that maybe you're carrying a firearm too. So how am I going to use this weapon in my left hand? Uh, or how am I going to use it to accent what I do? Or what am I going to do when I don't have the firearm? Um, the combatives give you a great alternative so that you feel like you have a little safety, um, that you could do the basic things. And we're seeing a lot of incidences now where people are getting knocked to the ground. That's the first time they know that they're in the fight. Mm-hmm. So like the knockout game, somebody knocks you to the ground, uh, you never saw it coming, and you start your fight face down. Well, we've got to teach you how to get to your back and how to get back to your feet and create distance and space. Um, and you're so, also shocked like crazy. Yeah. Like, what yeah. the heck just happened? And that's the big part of martial arts training that most people don't get is you're under stress, you're under pressure. So we learn how to articulate and how to think and how to make a strategy while we're actually fighting. Uh, if you don't practice that a little bit, uh, you're not aware you can even do it. Uh, most people, when they get attacked, they're asking the question, why is this happening to me? Uh, they'll say the same litany over and over. He came out of nowhere. It was just like in a movie. Mm-hmm. Because your mind is trying to deal with the shocking reaction of what's just happened to it. And all those questions, while they're interesting, they don't help us while we're fighting. Right. You know, we've got to get into the fight. Um, you've got to get fast and strong and hit back and fight as hard as you can. Uh, technique is not nearly as important as the will to fight back and the ability to keep people away from you. As you were talking about using a cane or using a distance, sometimes just making yourself unpalatable to the predator is the important thing. Um, And we find that people with very little technique, once they decide to fight back, they make a tremendous difference, and it it makes people give up on you. Uh, For predators, they're binary. It's always a choice of yes or no. And if you make yourself such a strong target when they try to do something to you, they'll go on to the next easiest person. Right. And that's what we really want to do is we want to deselect you and uh, they'll move on. Yeah. Well, one of the things I do, and I say I carry my cane, every once in a while I use it to help me walk Yeah. uh, because I have a bad back. But most of the time I carry it 
to my side like I'm carrying mm -hmm. a, a briefcase or something. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, tells somebody else that that guy doesn't need a walking cane. Mm -mm. He's carrying that stick for a reason. And and hopefully that's what I'm transmitting to people. And hopefully, as you say, they'll deselect mm -hmm. me and go on to the next person who want to try something. Well, you know, posture plays a big role in this. Eye contact, right. Right. Um, showing somebody that you're aware, that you stand up straight, uh, that you walk with purpose. Um, John Fyron calls it dithering. You don't want to hold in place and not pay attention to what's going on. Right. Uh, these things actually will prevent more than anything else you being selected. Um, so when somebody looks at you and they'll go, well, it looks like he might be a bit of a problem. Right. Let's go on to the person that's not paying attention so I can appear out of nowhere next to them and they'll never know what hit them and they'll be quickly overwhelmed. Um, probably one of the biggest problems in, in, in public is cell phone usage. You know, your mm -hmm. head's down, you're engaged, right. um, there's interesting stuff going on, but you're out of your environment. And you always got to ask yourself the question, uh, where am I and who's around me? Right. And that way you know whether you should be aware or not. So it's a great start, and I think once somebody feels that they can do these things and be successful, uh, that it changes their posture, and that in itself probably leads them to not being selected as targets. Right. And one of the things that you just mentioned, I think we're all probably guilty of or have been guilty of, and that's walking down the street with a cell phone. Mm -hmm. The cell phone rings, you're going to answer it. Yeah. And then you're walking down the street, you're paying more attention to what you're saying on the phone or what mm -hmm. somebody's saying to you than what's happening around you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you see a lot of these movies where people are walking along, next thing you know, they fall into a pond because uh -huh. <laughs> they, not, they don't even know where they're walking, let alone that there's there's any danger mm -hmm. around there. And a cell phone can be extremely dangerous, in mm -hmm. my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, in several ways. Of course, it's against the law to text and drive, so I don't do that too often. Uh, <laughs> too often. <laughs> <laughs> well, occasionally you need to. Uh, uh, how about retention and disarming techniques, escalation of force, experimental force on force training? Have we covered that yet? Yeah, we haven't know. really covered it I in detail. Think so. You know, it's it's an interesting subject. Um, if you get into what we call the entangled fight, where you're actually um, being grabbed, somebody has a leveraging arm, they're holding you still. Um, if it was a striking fight, you and I are just having a fist fight, you could take off at any time because I don't have any control right. over you. But if I've actually grabbed you or we fall into the ground, it changes the rules a little bit. Um, if somebody's fighting with you and all of a sudden they feel a gun on your waist, they may inadvertently go for it or consciously go for it at that point. And now the fight is completely changed. We've gone from a simple battering. Now we're into a, a, a true fight for our lives. And we have to be able to articulate that. We found the first person to draw the firearm usually loses it when you're in an entangled fight, which is a very interesting mm. proposition. So what we try to do is teach people to make space and get control of the other person before they draw the firearm. As much as we all go to the range and we go to classes and we practice our, our sub-one-second draws, in an entangled fight, it's actually backwards of that. We want to make sure we have good controls, that we've earned the space, and that we also draw to a retention-style position, whether it's pulled up to your side with a pectoral index or we're in a compressed ready, and we won't actually drive the gun out until at least we've got double arm's length from the other person. Mm -hmm. And that's really contrary to the most, most training in the firearms is that you want to push the gun out as soon as you can, but you are pushing that weapon out that you only have one or two hands on that's easy to take away from someone. Yeah, most, most of the training, when you, uh, most of the firearm training, yeah. you're, you're pushing out towards paper. You're not pushing yeah. out toward people. Yeah. You're, not, you're, you're not pushing at something that can push back. That's it. And and that's why we have to be aware that there's other things besides mm -hmm. just sitting here taking target practice. When you're taking target practice, you're not in a fight. Right. When right. you're in a fight, 
you're probably not taking target practice. Right. And, you know, a lot of times we can't even use our sites because we're in a retention position. Right. So we have to have a kinesthetic awareness. Um, this also brings us back to safety. Uh, how do we train these things in a safe environment? Mm-hmm. Um, we put a barrel blocker in the gun, and we put what's called a tap rack train, which keeps your magazine from being loaded. And now you get to practice the really two safety rules as muzzle discipline and finger trigger finger discipline. Right. And you're getting a chance to actually do that in a live environment with a weapon that's rendered inert now. But it starts to mean something for real. Am I pointing that gun at the person that I want to shoot or am I pointing the gun at me? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're entangled, that becomes a very tricky business. Right. Um, Tom Givens talks about uh, an incident he had where one of his students had to shoot from an upper window while her husband was engaged in a fight in the front yard for his life. Mm. So they were tangled up, and she had to take a shot from about 20 yards. Uh, we give people a chance to look at what those shots look like right. and how the targets change as we draw these weapons. Right. And it gives us a great chance to feel something different than the paper target. Right. You know, where will well, I be shooting? What's my angle? Who's behind me? Yeah, especially yeah. if it's somebody that if you miss them, uh, you could if you mm-hmm. if you miss a bad guy, you pick the wrong time to shoot. Yep. Then you're going to kill the wrong person, or, yep. or at least injure the wrong person. And and when you're entangled in a fight, you never know who's going to roll, right. when they're going to roll. So yep. that makes it a very very tough decision, and and a lot of, I guess, a lot of nerve control as well. Yeah. The emotion control that, that you have to realize what you're doing and and who you're putting at risk in the, at the whole in, yeah. during the whole. We can stop situation. the scenario and look at you, too, see where that muzzle's <clears throat> pointing, see who's mm-hmm. around you. So now the rule of, you know, be aware of your target and what's around it and beyond it becomes really important mm-hmm. um, very, very quickly because you start seeing, hey, there's other people involved in this and right. there's other people around me, which we don't get a chance to do on the on the shooting range. Right. You, you, well, you can't do it on the shooting no, range. You, there's you no get, safe way. You can't yeah. talk on the shooting range. <laughs> <laughs> I Somehow, would hope. <laughs> there's this thing called sweeping that they just don't like to yeah. do it unless it's pushing the brass out of the way. Uh-huh. That's the only time you can sweep on a on a live range. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it, it – there's a lot of you brought up a lot of interesting things so far, and we're going to come back in a few minutes, and we're going to finish up this program with uh, a few more interesting things. But in the meantime, uh, go to georgiacarry.org, our website. You can learn everything that we've ever done. You can join. You can renew. Uh, you can contact any of us via email or telephone. Uh, you can follow us at Georgia Carry. I'm at Got Your Back sixty four. Uh, you can download the commercial-free podcast at Newstalk1160.com, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Jerry Henry once again with Brian Hill. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, we've talked about several things uh, that we we that he does in his business. And I'm, I know there's several other things that, that uh, I'm sure you would like to discuss about uh, what you do, where you do it, etc. So mm-hmm. have at it. 
All right. Um, we do a lot of training outside of uh, just my courses. Uh, no one person can be a subject matter expert in all these fields. So we bring a lot of really top-level trainers into our facility. Um, we have people coming in that are teaching medical, like Caleb Calsey from Lone Star Medics. Uh, we have William April coming in te- teaching mindset, which is a very deep uh, program, understanding the criminal, uh, understanding violent criminal actors. It's probably one of the least understood part of what we do, and uh, he has a great background in understanding how people think and how they react and how criminals prey on us. And it's just a mind-opening thing, and he's a dynamic speaker. He's very interesting. Um, we also have Chief Deputy Lee Weems that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and he comes in and talks about police citizens' contacts. Uh, what are your rights, and how will the police react with you, and what is what is a reasonable search and seizure of your person, what's a custodial uh, – custody for you um you know how should you react when you're pulled over with a with a firearm uh, we see this constantly in the news and it's really important that we discuss these issues uh, from both sides uh, as a guy who was a, a law enforcement officer at one time and now primarily just a, a a regular citizen carrying a firearm we have to think in advance how are we going to deal with the police officer if we're armed and what are our responsibilities and how can we make it safe and easy for both of us um and he runs a great course with that. Uh, next year, we're hoping to have Mike Seeklander in. So we're getting a top-level tactical and competition shooter in that will be up on our range. So we do live fire with that. Um, we had Andrew Bronca in for the Law of Self-Defense. And uh, he gives a great job on the five pillars of self-defense and how you can do it. Uh, it's an in-depth, detailed course that is not in legalese. And as you know, you deal with a lot of law stuff. It's often hard to understand what the law is of self-defense, you know, and how does it apply to us? What can you say this in a very uh, common manner so that we can understand how it affects us? Um, Lawyers love to speak in their own language, so we're all excluded. Right. And that's the way they write the law. Yeah. And and, uh, to me, most of the time, that just gives the the judges and the attorneys a way out of Mm -hmm. Yeah, not actually enforcing yeah. the law because yeah. well it didn't really say that. So, yeah, you know that's where the to me the liberal judges etc. come in. But uh, continue on. Uh, I have we have Claude Warner in constantly. Uh, Claude has done over seven thousand actual uh, use of force incidents and yeah. studied them to see what kind of statistically. Uh, fight we're facing and what's important in the fight. Uh, he's also outlined uh, the most common mistakes made by people by not IDing their mm-hmm. target, by shooting a loved one, by shooting themselves. Right. Uh, and it, he calls it his negative outcome class. And since, you know, the firearm basically is a bullet projector and it, it doesn't have any heart or soul when a bullet leaves the gun, right. we have to be very conscious of what we face as far as uh, difficulties with negative outcomes and those decisions. Uh, we found that people that think about this way in advance uh, and understand the actual risk, just like we tell a child, look both ways before you cross the street. Right. It's not an onerous burden at, at that time. We, the kid looks and he sees it's safe. If we keep these things in our mind, we keep ourselves much, much safer right. and uh, much, much better gun handlers in general. Right. Um, so it's a great class with that. You know, Claude has been uh – He's been at uh, our convention probably five or six times or more yeah. making uh, the same type presentation that, or a similar presentation to what you're going to be making next right. weekend. Right. I had Claude come in and audit my class. Did you? Um, well, you know, I think it's important as a trainer. I, I'm, 
what I'm teaching is a grave subject matter. Right. And it's a tremendous responsibility because somebody's life very well may depend on it. That's correct. And I need somebody else to look at me as a trainer, as an instructor, and say, here's where you can improve. Right. Uh, Claude took over four pages of notes. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. You know, so there wasn't you, much room for improvement. Yeah. There. He would have taken a lot of notes. <laughs> you know, if he, and, and Claude will tell you. Claude will tell you, whether you like the information or not, he's going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important because we all want to feel good about what we're doing, but it's important that we know uh, where we can improve and how we can become better uh, gun handlers, better trainers, better uh, instructors, better communicators. Um, you know, picking a trainer is a really big big problem right for most people um you know we see somebody cool on the internet and we're like oh i want to go train with that guy yeah. but sometimes you go to training and nothing really happens right. you right. make a lot of noise they pat you on the back they say good job yep. and you leave the class and you're like well i'm 500 dollars short right. and i didn't learn anything and I, but i got yeah. a certificate yeah yeah good job for me <laughs> so yeah. you know we don't want that to happen we want you to come out of there and go wow i got my money's worth well that's good yeah. most most i have to agree with one of the things you said there is, is most of us think that we're probably doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have anybody to critique us and tell us where we could be better, then we're just sitting here floating down the river with, with no real yeah. guidance. And, yeah. we're, and in some instances, such as yours, you may be taking somebody with you down the river, yeah. and we don't want that to happen. Yeah. But uh, uh, next next. Things that I, I know you do more than that. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, your wife sitting over in the corner. I yeah, know you're doing yeah. more than that. <laughs> She's my indispensable organizational wizard. She keeps me on track while I'm the uh, mad scientist in the lab coming up with all this stuff. Uh, we have a triad training course, which is mindset, uh, close quarters decisions, and a live fire segment. Um, the close quarter decision is actually just a three-hour course for people to learn how to do some of the close quarter stuff with their firearms, mm-hmm. uh, how to, to retain it, how to fight from a compressed ready, um, and how to disarm somebody else. Uh, then we have a segment where we, do a lot, we teach people how to actually practice and improve their marksmanship skills and their fundamentals. Uh, it's an hour or so of dry fire practice at the gym. And then we go to Georgia Firing Line where I sign different levels of drills to you corresponding to your skill. So we follow the adult learning model, which is I explain it to you, I demonstrate it, you practice it, and then we test you. And uh, as adults, it's important to have somebody look at us, but it's also important to be tested a little bit mm-hmm. so that you know what your actual level of skill is. Right. You know, not what your expectation of skill is. We all think we're going to do great, but it's going to be far lower than we thought it was, you know. <laughs> Seems to happen that way. Yeah. Uh, the- it, it, the bullets just don't always go where we think they're going to go, Mm-mm. and we're not going to we're not going to be holding our firearms properly, et cetera. We right. without practice, and, and even yep. those that do, they still I think you still see people mess up a little bit every mm-hmm. once in a while because of the adrenaline flow, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, where uh, let's see now you you uh, train during the week as well as weekends or what? Yeah, I, I of course I run a mixed martial arts gym during the week. Um, and that's primarily striking and grappling skills. Uh, we work the self-defense aspect, which is a little different from mixed martial arts gym. Uh, I'm constantly giving the guys rubber knives and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, cert trainers to work into their training and conditioning. And then on the weekends, we do the complete combatant or mindset training, or we're up at the Dahlonega range with, uh, with shooting. Uh, I work at a company called Center Mass Tactical Training. And uh, he does pistol, rifle, and precision rifle classes uh, once a month. So we get a great chance to work up there. Uh, we work out of Georgia Firing Line with uh, 
our basic class uh, defensive skills that we develop with them. And uh, I pretty much work all day, every day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably teaching somewhere around 50 to 60 hours a week. So I'm a professional adult educator, and uh, it gives me a chance to do that. We're also involved with Rachel's Rest, which is our charity, and that's for women and children that have been victims of uh, violence or sexual abuse. Hmm. So we try to give back to the community at the same time. My wife is uh, uh, chief director or the director of Rachel's Rest, and I'm on the board. And uh, what we do is we have a retreat for people, and they have a chance to work through the issues that violence may have caused in their life. And I think as as warriors, as as good people, we have to give back also. Right. So I'm trying to keep it balanced that way, and we give back through Rachel's rest. Well, it sounds to me like you're doing a heck of a job. <laughs> I also want to point out that uh, Georgia Firing Line is one of our diamond-level sponsors. It's a great range. So they are, yeah. and great people, yeah. really nice people. Um, and uh, we're coming up to the end of the show here. I need to tell you who we're going to have on next week. Next week's guest will be Mandy Ballinger. Mandy uh, is the lady, state representative, who carried uh, HB 280 last year, which is the campus carry bill. She is responsible for that. She was our legislator of the year last year uh, for her work on the campus carry and a couple other bills that got vetoed last year. And uh, we're expecting her at the convention next week. Uh, to receive her award from last year because uh, she uh, she had an illness last year and could not make the convention, so therefore uh, we could not give it to her. I had uh, I had uh, a few opportunities or tried to get a few opportunities to give it to her at the state capitol, but uh, since we have a replica firearm as our award, they won't let me carry that into the capitol. <laughs> And so we we had trouble finding a, a spot really to to do that. So uh, she has confirmed she will be there next week, and we will present her with last year's award uh, for our legislator of the year. She's a great lady and a hard working Second Amendment uh, supporter. Uh, we're coming up to the end of the show. I want to thank Brian Hill and his wife for being here with us, Shelley, uh, for being here with us today, taking time out of your uh, day. And I want to remind everybody one more time, go to georgiacarry.org. Uh, you can uh, follow us and do everything, see everything that we've ever done. You can follow us at Georgia Carry. I'm at gotyourback64. You can download these free podcasts at newstalk1160.com. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to georgiacarry.org radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's executive director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.